about sex work by sex workers for sex workers um i am uh, still trying Buffering. to find out yeah still Buffering trying to find selena. a moniker selena <laughs> and my co-host here is goddess Corey. hi i asked them to marry me actually i asked them to, <laughs> to co-host with me uh, officially so yeah, it's official it's official i'll have to get them a ring <gasps> A ring. A co-host oh. ring. What is it? Or Every pins. gift begins with, with K. K. <laughs> Killing black children in diamond mines. It's real. Yeah. Sorry. True. Valid. No, valid. Uh, true. And we're here with Adonis. Yes. Hi. Hello, everyone. Hi there. Hello. Every episode, we begin with a segment we call Historical Hose. This week's historical hoe is William Dorsey Swan. Now, I got my information from Wikipedia, per usual. Also, an article in blackenterprise.com, the story of former slave turned history-making drag queen William Dorsey Swan. Also, an article from The Nation uh, gives us a little bit more info on how black men were supposed to perform gender during the Civil War era, and it is super interesting. It is titled drag queen slave ball so if you're interested check that out so william dorsey swan was born into slavery in maryland around 1858 he was enslaved in hancock maryland the property of a white woman named Anne marie and gained freedom after the emancipation Pro- uh, after the emancipation proclamation went into effect During the 1880s and 1890s, Swan organized a series of balls in Washington, D.C. He was known as the Queen and called himself the Queen of Drag and was the first person to take that moniker. Well, the first known person. He is also known to be the first American activist to lead a queer resistance group. Swan organized underground drag balls in Washington, D.C. in the 1880s. His part-time lover, full-time friend, Pierce Lafayette, hosted the parties in his swanky two-story home. Pierce was also born a slave. He grew up in Georgia and was owned by none other than Alexander H. Stevens, who you might not know because the Confederacy didn't last that long, but he was the vice president of the Confederate States of America. Imagine the vice president of the Confederacy unknowingly being connected to the birth of drag balls. Amazing. So two of his brothers also participated in the events, two of Swan's brothers, to clarify. And I love that idea. I love drag family participation. So sweet. So most of the attendees of Swan's gatherings were men who were formerly enslaved and were gathering to dance in their satin and silk dresses. Because these events were secretive, invitations were often quietly made at places like the YMCA. Jeez, I cannot speak today. YMCA. YMCA. So Swan was arrested in political raids numerous times, including in the first documented case of arrests for female impersonation in the United States on April 12, 1888. In 1896, he was falsely convicted and sentenced to 10 months in jail for, quote, keeping a disorderly house, i.e. running a brothel. 
after his sentencing, he was re- or he requested a pardon from President Grover Cleveland. This request was denied. But Swan was the first American on record who pursued legal and political action to defend the LGBTQ community's right to gather without a threat of criminalization, suppression, or police violence. How amazing. So Swan was also known uh, to have been close uh, with Felix Hall. So it was Pierce Lafayette and Felix Hall and the two men uh, who also had been enslaved and Um, So they form the first known male same-sex relationship between enslaved Americans. How precious. What a beautiful thing to have recorded in history, and I am so glad to know about it. So when Swan stopped organizing and participating in drag events, his brother continued to make costumes for the drag community for five decades. Roughly 50 years, you guys. People mistakenly think that Stonewall was the beginning of the gay liberation movement, but queer icons have and always will be up to the most amazing shit. They have always been at it, and they continue to crush it. So shout out to the incredible William Dorsey Swan, this week's historical hoe. We know each other from the internet. I love your work. I feel a lot of what you lay down, and it's very honest. It's very real, like you said. I appreciate that. I feel like on the internet, like there's a lot of like trying to censor yourself for clout. Oh yeah, we can talk about how people reinvent themselves into brands, and how like I openly speak up about how I'm like not into that. Mm. Yeah, how I'm like not a brand. I'm not selling a product. There's not really a corner. You you know how there's like corner of like beauty Instagram and there's like you know queer activist Instagram. I guess technically like some people think I'm a queer activist, but I'm not one of those people like who like it's always been hard for me. Like, see, let me talk about um, taking on the level activist because I'm from down south. I'm from Georgia. Okay. I came out of the Atlanta scene, and in the Atlanta scene, like literally every other black queer person is also an activist. Mm-hmm. Most of those people are associated. When I talk about activists, I'm talking about the people who have a home base like an org that they go home to. And I've never had that. I've never been a part of any orgs. I've never paid dues to anyone. Um, Yeah, I'm one of those people who, like, when there was a protest, I would show up if I had the capacity to do so. But I was never really one of those people who had, like, a home base or worked within an org. But, you know, that could also be me, like, internalizing a lot of stuff around the uh, nonprofit industrial complex, I guess there's also a lot of that too. And I, I mean, I don't want to say that Atlanta perpetuates that, but it's definitely like one of the machines that keeps like Atlanta's activists scene pumping. Yeah. I don't think that's just true to Atlanta either. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely here in LA. Oh yeah. I've only been to Atlanta, Philly. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's true. A lot of places, um, the nonprofit industry is, uh, and it is an industrial complex, like every other industrial complex, um, mm-hmm. and has inherently um, hierarchical uh, rules that I also do not like to follow, <laughs> that I don't like to invest in, yeah. and why I'm also like not associated with any particular org right now, though I do support certain orgs, um, especially grassroots orgs, like people who I know of who are actually doing the work on the ground. Um, 
Uh, oh yeah and i definitely like there are some amazing orgs out of atlanta that are doing like a lot of like great work and in philly as well those are the two cities i'm associated with is philly and atlanta and while like there are like amazing work like places like doing the work there um you know there was also like i said there's also like just this model that has like you know the nonprofits and those people who get paid and then like everyone else who's not getting paid and just putting their heart and soul into everything but are still like having trouble like scraping by and i feel like that's not cool but i feel like a lot of people are trying to like now break that kind of thing down with this revolution you know the whole system is guilty right so you know we have to break down those things and those are every corners including our movements as well right right and there um i don't know if you've been following what's been happening on the internet with uh a certain Instagrammer, uh, I don't know if I'll name them <laughs> in the podcast, uh, but uh, um, I think. I mean, we can we can name it and we can bleep it. Okay, Jem. Uh, oh, you're doing great. Oh, okay, yes. Let's talk about that because I know all about that tea. Ooh. So, um, th- <laughs> so um, this will probably this is so funny. We talk about intercommunity censorship, and I but I've been having this conversation for the last three days with my best friend, who's also another Nigerian person. Who um, love you, my best friend Alexis. But she's like <laughs> one of those amazing black people who's like doing one of those like laborious jobs that black women have in, in like you know, you know she has a certain job that's definitely beginning a lot of attention lately. Like you know, as far as like mental health resources go but you know we've been having a conversation about um you're doing great so you're doing great that person named gem is a famous instagrammer and also on twitter i'm just like now getting into and tiktoker who's doing a lot of uh work and talking around like prison abolition um i'm gonna tell the whole story because i know the whole story is that okay if i tell it go for it so Jem, um, you're doing great, I guess, has come out of either the New Jersey or New York scene. And this person has been accused of sexual assault multiple times. Um, they have um, they have an accountability. Like if you go on their Instagram, there's a little button. You know how they have the highlights. They, they do an accountability one. But I don't know this person. I've never met them. Uh, when I started getting really big, they started, they were co- early, earlier in the day, like when I like, cause I went from like a thousand five hundred followers to suddenly like 5,000 really fast. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, they were commenting on my stuff and they were like, oh, you're one of my new favorite like accounts and stuff. And I got really quiet because like, there's this whole thing around like abuse apologizing and like, I don't want like not wanting to be on the wrong side, mm-hmm. but it's hard to be on a side when you don't know someone or know what's going on or who they're hurting you know like it's this big thing where it's like this goes to like cancel culture is like unfollow them or you're an apologist because i know some famous twitter person named k shea butter um um, i knew that person back in my um days in atlanta because they were an activist in atlanta they were getting um shit from people because um people were like if you don't unfollow you're you're doing great you're an abuser apologist Kay doesn't know that person either. I mean, maybe they do, actually. I actually don't know if they're friends. I just know we're all African people who are on Twitter. And not Twitter, we're all African people who are on, like, the internet like that. So there is a little bit of, like, you know, sympathetic stuff because there's not a lot of Black queer Africans out there. So I do have a little bit, like, sympathy towards that. And being, like, another Nigerian person, like, you're doing great, there's definitely a sympathy angle. But this goes to the question... um, and this was something I was like, literally, I'll say I was taking a piss right before I came on here <laughs> and I was getting really upset 
because I was gonna make I was gonna make a post on my page. And I'm still gonna make it. I fucking hate it when I like defend like other black people hard just to find out they're an abuser, right. and then I get really pissed off just to, because like you know just to defend them in front of the white man or the non-black man mm. just to find out they're abusing and hurting other black people. Then I look like a dumbass. I look like an idiot, and then I want to fight you. You know, <laughs> I fucking hate that. I have nothing to do with you're doing great. Like I said, um, this is me just spilling my little side of the story has nothing to do with nothing but they did used to interact with my posts like early like in the day when i first when like my posts started getting big and i just got really silent because i really just don't know what to do like because often i've been in this position when it comes to like you know call outs and stuff like that um when you don't really know what to do because i don't know the story i don't know who they assaulted this is just something that i heard through somebody because i live in philly philly new york jersey it's the tri-state mm-hmm. all the all the all the tea goes through our three states yeah wow you know? forgetting maryland forgetting baltimore <laughs> oh <laughs> I, to, I mean i've never been there so i can only like talk about what i know i'm not gonna lie i've it. never hung out in baltimore Maybe. I've only hung out in Philly, New York. I've actually never really hung out in New Jersey. I never hung out in Jersey before. But, you know, the tea just always, like, spills off into New Jersey because people from Jersey either hang out in Philly or they hang out in New York or both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, all I can say about Baltimore is that whenever I meet people in Baltimore, they're really nice. They come in, like, big groups to Philly for parties. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all I really got on people in Baltimore. <laughs> but, like, as far as the whole you're doing great thing, I just don't know like if somebody was to say something to me about it i guess this is it happening i really don't know what you want me to do about it i mean i i i'm following them like i'm nosy i follow the problem <laughs> the people who are underlyingly problematic because i want to see what's going to unfold mm, because I like that. i need i need examples of what accountability looks like i need examples of what a call out looks like because we haven't had good examples of what those can look like and what it means for people to transform i um so I did an anti-racist workshop for white people on Friday and I was just ranting about a lot of shit that I've been seeing in the Philly scene that I hate. And this white person that I dated who was a curator was really anti-black. And um, this white person who was at the workshop and I told that, and I opened up to these white people about this, this, this white person said that they would mediate the process. And apparently like my like ex who's like a curator um wants to mediate but it's one of those things where moving forward if i make my demands will they will this person be cool with it because i've never done an accountability process before because we talk a lot about that in theory but we never know what it looks like this person is a chair on like this really like important art collective in philly but if i ask them for their for their chair seat and like to take their position in this like art thing basically i would have basically i would suddenly become a curator and a gallerist and i would have like a lot of power Mm. and like this white person would be giving up a lot of power but if i ask this white person for this power are they willing to give it up Mm. right and, what and is, I don't want to hear a no for an answer, right. so that makes me kind of anxious. Yeah. And how controversial would that look? Mm-hmm. Me taking over this white person's power, like that would be really controversial. And not not this white person um, giving it up. This is not a situation like Serena Williams' husband giving his chair up, because we talk about you know 
like these like black women, you know, like whipping their husbands, their white husbands or whatever. But at the end of the day, the mm-hmm. white husband still has the power. Mm-hmm. Let's keep it real. These white men still have power. No matter how like dominated they're getting, no matter how submissive they are, mm-hmm. they still have the power. And that's a real conversation we never have. Yeah, I don't yeah. care how much theory you get your white subs to read. They're still in power because it's still their coin. It's still their time. Right, sure. But a lot of the girls don't want to hear that. A lot of the kids, sex worker kids don't want to hear that because they don't want to hear that they actually don't have as much power as they think. Yeah. Wait, I want to, I want to get back to, uh, you're doing great though. Like, what is your take on this, Corey? Um, my take on the whole situation. Yeah. yeah, I was following them for, I think a year at this point now. Mm -hmm. Um, I really engaged like hard with their abolitionist theory. Um, I don't know if I saw their, uh, their, like self call out post um or... it's on their highlights but then again no. their highlights are, it's so deep i've seen it now um yeah like weeks obviously after like they posted this but um I... months they or... did that last year that okay. was last year dear. so months after they posted it and um i yeah i didn't see it at the time i've seen it now i don't want to engage with their platform anymore like as an assault survivor um and as like a person who wants to hold people accountable in ways that the victims are calling for and what the victim was calling for was a deep deep platforming i don't exactly know what that means either because like mm. deep platforming and i don't know who the victim is i don't know yeah. where these demands are being made that's well, another thing there was there's a collective of people and uh this person might be a part of this collective of people the, you're gonna have to show me the dm okay. so we're not putting anyone's tea out yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, and they had an accountability session today on live on Instagram with Jewel the Gem, Jewel the Jewel the something. I think um, I forget the Instagram right now, but mm-hmm. um, their name is Jewel on Instagram. Oh, so it's Jewel the Gem. I think so. Sorry, and I'm so, this. No, it's okay. <laughs> and so they because um, I just saw that name for the first time today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the. So they held an Instagram live um, where they spoke to Gem, and during the live, like Gem was really defensive. Gem uh, <gasps> and like was doing the things that like abusive people often do when they're called in or called out. Um, like what? Uh, <laughs> like oh no, like, uh, I hate that. It's like it's 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 so subtle sometimes in like tone in like okay like just like that like really snappy like okay i'll do it like you know like yeah. with attitude and it's like well you don't have to bring that it's energy. just getting it over with it's like yeah it's very like that that, like, that thing that abusers do where it's like oh you're taking up my time now because you're calling me out that's something that men do yeah Unless, mm. like if it was a man doing it we'd all catch it like that right yeah, that's sure. the thing and i think because like it's happening intra communally that like like people don't like automatically like try and like connect those things but that's what's happening like we're all informed by the patriarchy we're all like we were all brought up like we're not we don't exist in a vacuum that's something like i keep repeating we don't exist in a vacuum we're all influenced by these things and so like to like think that like a queer person a non-binary person a black person could not also do the same or similar things and maybe it's it's like coming from a different place maybe but like simultaneously Ooh, I have so much to say about that sorry yeah, yeah. it's like just being nigerian because gem's nigerian yeah this is it's like the toxicity within the nigerian community african community because mm-hmm. toyin was african 
Jem is African. This is all part of like the toxicity and the patriarchy of like the African community that we never talk about because everyone's so busy trying to keep up an appearance. Like everything's okay, but it's just not. Like I see so much of that with cis Africans, but if you like deviate from that in any sort of way, you're seen as like fucked up. I'm seen as fucked up. Jem is seen as fucked up. But, you know, we still hold in, like, you know, that specific, like, you know, African, like, you know, misogyny, African patriarchy. And that hurts people. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, that hurts people. That's the reason why, like, you know, Toyin couldn't stay home. Because, like, you know, it's not, it's honestly, African homes aren't safe spaces. Mm. They're not. I don't care what anyone tells you. I just made a post about how I'm reconnecting with my family and I'm Nigerian. But this is very recent. I'm almost 30 years old. Like, you know, African houses aren't safe. Like, they're not. They're not, like, physically or mentally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes that can leak over to the point where you can't stay home, like, what happened to Toyin. And sometimes that can leak over when you start, like, abusing other people, like, um, you're doing great is. It's really bad. And I wouldn't even know where to start, like, deconstructing that, like... Because like there's you can you can only blame white supremacy to a certain point because like there's always been like the patriarchy within African like tribal communities but that's a whole other thing within itself right mm-hmm. um, yeah and so I've I've unfollowed Jem um, um, until like whatever also like I got too much like personal drama <laughs> like personal like things that like I'm dealing with that like I have to interact with just because like I have to interact with those things to like engage on that level with like internet mm. hoopla um, <laughs> um, and mm. like not that I don't think that those conversations are important they need to be had especially because the internet uh, Instagram Twitter all of these places are like like hubs of information and um you know, it's where the young people go to, like, get their, their news and their updates. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important work. Um, I just don't think that, like, it's 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 uh, necessarily for me to engage with um, Ugh, at so all. It's so hard. I mean, I'm not on Jem's side at all, but it's just, like, you know, Jem was, like, one of the bigger, like, the louder speakers in the community Mm -hmm. talking about like prison abolition, talking about like all of these things and deconstructing a lot of like political ideology in a way that like was accessible to a lot of people. And it's like, it's not, it's not a pass for them. Like they don't get a pass, but it's just like, Mm -hmm. it sucks whenever like their people's actions, like get in the way of the things that they're trying to do, you know, like they, I don't, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I'm just like, no, that makes sense. It's like whenever they, you know, they do these abusive things, like, I mean, we're still humans at the end of the day, regardless of like the public persona that we put on and like our messages that we wear for, you know, whatever we champion. Right. But it's like, yeah, it's just fucked. It, yeah. Um, but I think yeah. that like queer, you know, trans people have always, black queer trans people have always done is that we will be the champions of these conversations and like show other people how to do this like we're all figuring it out you know (laughs) like we're all figuring it out but i think that uh um people like jewel people like uh, you know uh i heart erica other people who are you know have these platforms who are about um um yeah the... But those kinds of people also don't need to forget the little guy. But I'm gonna keep my mouth shut on that yeah. one. No, I mean no. it's it's true. I mean, are they? Because I always have a word to, on everyone. Are they yeah. gonna give up their Instagram yeah. account in a sense? Like, are they gonna transfer over like 
change the name, give it to somebody else to so, exchange the power. Um, did you know that that's what Alok did with Dark Matter? You know Alok, that yeah. brown person? Yeah. See, Alok, Alok had, was part of a duo called Dark Matter, and yeah. they'd gotten called out for saying some weird pedophilic shit. Mm. And what they did was, like, it, it, like, stopped being a duo, and then the other person left, even though it was both of them, and then it just became Alok. Mm. And people forget that that happened, that they, that they said some weird pedophilic shit about kids being kinky or whatever but no one ever talks about that oh. Wait, no, like alok somehow like is still like some big some big idol like y'all are how old, y'all maybe a little bit younger than i am do y'all remember dark matter that duo i do remember that, dark that matter. they were in i mean we're almost and you notice I mean, how we're they, both do you remember 30, when right? they got I'm, called out no i'm not okay, how old okay, are you you're young you seem really young i'm sorry <laughs> i'm a okay. zoomer i'm 23 I'm, oh, oh god i don't know why <laughs> yeah. i think it's just because you like did college so recently i'm i'm gonna be i'm gonna be 28 this year so I'm closer to... Okay, yeah, I'm already yeah. 28. Did y'all not see when Dark Matter got called out for that years ago and then they disappeared and Alok came back solo and it was like, no. oh, Alok is beautiful, blah, blah, blah. You no. know, it's like, you catch that shit with, non, with non-black with non people mm-hmm. and then you're just like, whoa, that sucks. You know, I mean, because it's like, Alok did it. It's like, what's the difference between Gem and Alok? Right. I mean, I don't engage with Alok at all i've i've gotten so, oh yeah dear and like you don't have to be in like that you know i won't engage with anyone no. because of this because like you don't have the whole story right but more it's it's mm-hmm. more of like a like i don't in- i know you don't want to get caught up it's well, the culture of not want to get caught up in bullshit yeah i don't want to get caught up but also like i don't follow people that like i either don't actively like want to engage with their anymore like i used to be a person who would just follow people because like everybody was following them and like okay cool um but now i'm more of like i really want to be like engaged with your content and i've never really been engaged with their content like that i guess um yeah yeah, so it's more on that level Mm -hmm. but dang i hope me talking about Alok doesn't get me in trouble (laughs) i mean we could could talk a little bit about sex work to kind of go to this no but i'm like don't believe anything and if somebody wants to get upset about me naming names about people like slide in my dms name my name it's like their names already out there it's like my opinion i think it's like people are having these conversations they had this clear call out you know like that was public it wasn't like it was like it private. wasn't private. Yeah. It wasn't a private thing, and they yeah. uh, and also as far as Gem goes, like Gem is going to be or said that they are going to be uh, pu- like more public about like their process and like share the the live they did today and like just be more public about like what's going on because like they haven't ex- like been so direct about it until this very point. Um, as far as like the as far as like the process, I guess goes. Um, but like I haven't really, I haven't been engaged with that process up until this point, so I don't even know, you know. Um, so yeah, but we can like talk about sort of your history in sex work too. Yeah, <laughs> if no, you're down for I would that. love to. I would love to kind of dive into that if you're down. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to talk about that. Um, so my history in sex work. So I started doing sex work in 2013. Um, I got caught up in some like bullshit at my school, like on some like, you know, I like on some drug shit and getting kicked out of my dorm at school. And, you know, this is back when seeking arrangement was really big and sugaring was really big. So um, a friend of mine um, had been doing sugaring with his partner and stuff like that. 
And like, this is like a little bit forward, but this is like in a hindsight thing. I realized I kind of resented him for it because I didn't have a partner or a co-person to do sex work with, you know? Mm-hmm. I jumped at it alone. I've always, I've always done it alone. I never did with a partner or somebody to process with. Mm-hmm. It was always just me holding myself. Mm-hmm. So he told me about this. And so I got on Seeking Arrangement. And I I met a guy and you know he bought me a bunch of things and then he was like uh, we're gonna go in this hotel and so that was my first time ever doing like full service sex work and then the second time I did it I you know got dressed up and I went to a bar and picked up a guy because I figured I could just <laughs> cut the middleman and then like you know not even have to do the whole sugaring thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, so I was switching back between like, you know, sugaring sex work and like full service. I met this man who was like my sugar daddy for like a few months and I ended up living with him after I got kicked out of my dorm. And, um, he was like, um, some like rich, old, powerful, like, um, CNN Espanol executive who was going through like a divorce. So like he was living in his, like, he was living in his like spare condo as his wife was like taking everything in the divorce. (laughs) So I lived with him for a few months. I remember I got to go to Key West. (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of a vibe, but he was also just like really like grossly like pushy sexually and stuff like that. It's gross. Like I wish it was a vibe. Like for me, it was like, I always made a lot of money, but it was like never a vibe. It was never like I got to just sit around like and not do anything. I always had to work for like my money mm. when it came to sex work. You know what I mean? I always had to definitely like, you know, were you fuck kind of like it. on call for it? Like for him, like living in that situation? Um, yeah, I was always on call, but he also wanted to see like, you know, a whole like cycle of other girls too. Cause he was a sex addict. Mm. So there were times where he didn't want me there and like, but he lived out in the suburbs outside of Atlanta. So it was like, it wasn't like I was in Atlanta and I could just bop out and go to a bar. It was like, if I'm like not with him, I'm on the street. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, that wasn't fun. And so I left him and then like, I went to go live on my own. And then I was just really into like full service sex work for the next few years. Um, then I got a retail job and like focused on that, but I was still doing sex work. Um, I moved to uh, Philly in 2017. And um, by then I had kind of slowed down on sex work because I kind of like exhausted all my resources that I could use. Like I'd use like Craigslist as much as I can. I'd use seeking as much as I could. Um, I didn't feel comfortable placing an ad on like Eros or Backpage or anything. I didn't want my face out there, my mm-hmm. information out there. So I never, I never posted ads, which may have stopped me from making money. But fuck it, I'm gonna protect my identity because I'm a black person. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And um, so I, so I got to Philly, and then I started like doing sex work again. And, you know, I did sex work when I first came to Philly, and that was my main source of income until I got a job as a teacher in 20, um, in like fall of 2017. And then, like, I slowed down with the sex work then. I was still doing it off and on, but it wasn't my main source of income. But I was definitely, I was definitely still having to do it to, like, you know, make ends meet and stuff. Yeah. Eventually. Oh, go on. Huh? Go on. Um, no, I don't know. I was just say eventually I got like full time at my teaching job, 
And then I kind of like stopped doing sex work altogether last year. Mm-hmm. But then I found out that teaching is a really violent ass field. And I also <laughs> feel like I felt safer doing sex work than I am in like the teaching field. Yeah, <sighs> definitely. Cause with, at least with, at least with doing sex work, I don't have to worry about my shit getting like taxed to fuck, but like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like making barely shit and that's getting taxed. Yeah. They're taking it out for healthcare, but I'm still having to pay money when I go see the doctor. It's so violent. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those institutions that was are my terrible. Journey. <laughs> that is, I, I, I wanted to go back. Cause I mean, throughout your time working like you you talked about like how you held like maybe a vanilla job as well as like doing this work and like that's something like I've had to navigate um because I think there were points when I was like exclusively doing sex work but for the most part like I've had to balance like my day life and my night life and it's really yeah (laughs) it's this like sick cycle of like I hate everything all the time because mm. um, <laughs> mm. like I'm tired I don't want to get up I don't want to do anything like but I have to get up and like do these things because like capitalism makes it so that like you do have to for a lot of us have to hold multiple jobs and at least with sex work like there is that freedom like that like oh, yeah. there's a, there is a lot more freedom there is a lot yeah. more you can say no to coming in in a way to, not all the time not all the yeah. time <laughs> to a degree, to, to a degree and for but... like yeah like there were definitely times when like it wasn't like a yes or no it's like i eat or i don't yeah. <laughs> you know um yeah definitely you know or i stay inside but or that I choice don't. is still there that choice is still and there the choice though. is still there right and yeah. and there's it may not be the job but there's still a job tomorrow right when with a vanilla job if you don't show up you just lose the job right you know and it's not there anymore and and that kind of shit like follows you too because like then your next employer is like so what happened at the and it's like your next like person isn't going to be like so what happened with this (laughs) yeah yeah just like you're hot right now like (laughs) so it's like it's cool um yeah but i just wanted to like touch on that because like that I don't know, like, affixing my brain to, like, working from, like, potentially, like, midnight to some odd hour in the morning to then, like, waking up at, like, 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning to go do, like, a day job was, like, kind of, like, fucking up my brain. <laughs> Not even kind. Yeah. You need sleep. You need rest. Yeah, dude, you need sleep. Brain. Yeah. It's okay. It's and any sort of and any sort of like extra second win you probably have is just media. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just keeping it real. No, that's <laughs> that's real as shit. Like, yeah, they were definitely yeah, just because you have to question yourself when you're doing sex, where you're like, "Am I on my grind or am I having a manic episode?" Mm. <laughs> mm, definitely, and that's a lot of questions the kids don't want to ask themselves. No, no, mm-hmm. like yeah, especially like as people who have experienced, like, re- or at least for me, like who have experienced like repeated re-traumatization, mm-hmm. like throughout my life doing not even just doing like sex work like i find that like sex work is maybe some of the less traumatic stuff like it was more like the the day work where i had to be more covert where i had to like use my brain a lot more to like move through the space mm-hmm. that was like yeah. more painful oftentimes mm-hmm. um you know yeah or having to you know agree to a boss that is like i don't know i just fucking hate bosses <laughs> <laughs> that too like having oh, a boss yeah. sucks. 
Like, don't tell me what to do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, don't tell me how to act. Exactly. Um, well, people suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but, um, okay. What is your, like, what was your relationship with money since, you know, we're kind of talking in the past tense about sex work since you've kind of moved into an institutional role? Like... How did you, how were you managing money? Were you managing cash? Were you doing digital payments? And like, what, like, how- oh, this is back when it was just cash, mm-hmm. just cash. <laughs> and I was really bad at, I was really bad at saving money, mm-hmm. which a lot of people don't talk about. No one really helps sex workers manage money. Mm-hmm. So, and when you're, when you have that much money in front of you, it's easy to just like spend it all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I'm not ashamed that I spent a lot of my money on clothes and food. And sometimes, you know, like, you know, why just eat a bunch of food? Like sometimes I would just like binge eat and mm-hmm. maybe that's not healthy. Like, you know, like, I'm not talking about it in, like, an eating disorder way, but maybe it is. Sometimes I just like to binge eat, like, mm-hmm. a bunch of sweets. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. sometimes I would just use all my money to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really good at saving, you know, because, like, I was, I was like, 20 at the time. Like, I started when I was 20. And, mm-hmm. you know, no one really helps young people manage their money at all. Most yeah. of the time, it's just, like, you know, people trying to, like, prey on young people with money. Mm-hmm. So, was- you know, I wasn't really good at managing it. What was your relationship with money like as a, like, what has it been like in your life? You know, like, has it been something that was there or was it something that was not there? Was it something that Um, was like, you know? Yeah, full disclosure, I'm like, you know, a middle class black person. I'm not ashamed because like, there's always this weird thing like that came up definitely in the early, like, in like the, you know, the 2000 teens when suddenly everyone felt like the need to hide that they were middle class for some reason. (laughs) Where it's like, no, I'm a middle class black person. I mm-hmm. came from a middle class background because my parents came from Nigeria. Yeah. And, you know, they came to America with nothing and, you know, they lived in the hood and stuff and had to work their way up, you know, like American mm-hmm. style. But Nigerians are definitely but, like, um, I mean, to be able to migrate, like, comes uh, oftentimes you come from like a kind of privileged class of people, you know. Who have oh yeah definitely to. and i'm not ashamed like there's always this like you know having the hide privilege but there's also this assumption that i have like some sort of like hidden fortune which is definitely not <laughs> <No>. real <laughs> like you know like if we're gonna like talk about those stereotypes we need to talk about the full story right. because there's often been these like you know black americans versus africans like mm-hmm. bullshit yeah and like you know that's that's the kind of shit that you know people try to fight over with like class stuff and i don't believe in that like multiple realities are allowed to simultaneously mm. exist just because i came from middle class background doesn't mean my parents are supporting me today which they're not truly yeah and people don't talk about that kind of stuff like that's not white people shit where you can say fuck you dad and they're still gonna support (laughs) you like that shit doesn't fly with black communities you know or just with yeah i mean with a lot of ethnic communities too it's just like you get cut off you turn 18 yeah and even before 18 i'll say i don't know i don't know about you but like even before 18 like i technically i i don't know my i hesitate to like talk about like the way that my mom accessed money um and attained sort of middle class status but not actually having middle class money Mm. Um, (laughs) but uh like i got cut off when i was like 15 so even though i was like not yeah like technically in poverty but like 
I was in poverty in my own home. Like, yeah. that makes sense. Well, I mean, it's also like, <laughs> your experiences. So, oh, no. Like, I was a child who was often cut off from things as a form of punishment. Well, right? yeah, yeah. But that's different. Yeah. No, but I, I, like, my mom, like, she kicked me out, like, when I was yeah i mean oh shit yeah so like it like and then like kicked me out again when i was 17 i mean yeah so so it's like this black queer trans identity yeah like yeah like (laughs) and i very much said like like repeatedly said fuck you mom (laughs) and she made made me feel that fucking right back (laughs) so like yeah and that also like black middle class doesn't look like white middle class like there's a difference. There hmm. really is a. I think. Yeah. There's a, there's a difference. Like you still can't move like white middle class can move. You and it's not yes, generational. Exactly. No. Like it's not like you're yes. white. You're you're black middle class, and then like you're going to be able to pay off your home, your mortgage, in your lifetime. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't like. You know, you don't have, like, an inheritance coming down the line where you're going to, like, then have an even bigger come up once you, like, mm. you, uh, mm. you know, attain retirement or whatever. Yeah, or once you know, again. I don't, yeah, exactly. So, and then, and then, again, like, being, like you said, like, being a trans, like, queer person and, like, going through that, like, you're cut off. Like, it's done. Like, you know, and then trying mm. to then, as an adult, heal those wounds, like, it sounds like you might be trying to do um, as well but like it mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's a it's a shit show so um but to kind of return so you kind of so you grew up in like a middle class household and it was sounds like you know you had the things that you wanted in a way like or the things you needed maybe. yeah like your parents kind of provided yeah what did you think about money within yourself you know like um money was never really a thing that i i saw you know what i mean it was like my parents paid for everything did you have an like, allowance they took or anything? Care, not until i was really like a teenager mm-hmm. yeah like um yeah allowance wasn't really a thing either like people talk about allowance i'm like what do you mean it's like maybe mm-hmm. my parents gave me like 20 bucks a week for gas when i was older mm-hmm. like and then like if i like you know was able to just not drive anywhere i could maybe squeeze like ten dollars out of that mm-hmm. that was really allowance it was it was one of these things where it's like i guess people think like when you're like middle class you suddenly get like a lot of cash to spend every week or <laughs> it's like that's just not true like everything's mm-hmm. been paid for but i've never seen i would never see cash or anything like that I never was able to get the things that I wanted. Like, you know, the things I always like, you know, that pretty cool thing or that cool toy or that cool video game. Those things only like really popped up during like Christmas. Mm -hmm. But that was really it. You know, Mm -hmm. I never really had to like worry about like, you know, not having like enough food to eat or like not having clothes. As a kid, did you have to work any job? Um, Yeah. See, I didn't work a job like, um, unless it was like a summer job and that was just so I could get all the things that I wanted. Like I wasn't one of those kids who had to like pay rent in their own house or anything like that. Yeah. That was, that's yeah. That wasn't my life. I had to pay rent. <laughs> it was not, it was shitty. <laughs> did you, yeah. um, did you go to university or anything? 
yeah, I went to a public university and um, I had to pay loans. Mm, um, yeah. yeah, I wasn't one of those kids. Like people talk about middle class, like they're getting their college paid for them. <laughs> like, yeah, that's not my narrative. I went to state university and so did all my siblings. My little brother went to Morehouse, which is like the bougie black mm-hmm. men's school in Atlanta. But you know, he went on a full scholarship because mm-hmm. he had a like a he had like a 4.0. Mm-hmm. It was like my parents made a lot of money, but never enough. Like, like what? It's like black people a lot of money and white people a lot of money are not the same thing and we really need to talk about that when people are talking about these assumptions about the middle class you need to be like you're talking about white people because no black person i know unless they're a celebrity has that kind of is able to maneuver wealth in that way Mm -hmm. no black person i know is able to pay for college out of pocket you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yep like no one has like an extra like twenty thousand dollars just sitting around yeah or even an extra eight thousand dollars like what Mm. um my tuition costs was oh like God. eight thousand a semester, and I come from a state where you get a state scholarship. And now tuition, if you is if you have over a GPA of like twenty for like state schools, which I mean actually probably more than that at this point, and then for private, it's like sixty seventy thousand annually, which oh is oh yeah, y'all are in California, 80, so it's well no, yeah, not y'all even. in California, is, so that shit costs so much. Well, I mean the school, I mean I went to university in in Baltimore, so it was like it was uh-huh. right now that college is 60,000 ish annually. Like it's increased by a lot. <laughs> it's so, yeah, it's true. so scary. It's so scary to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's also hard to just make blanket statements about how much college costs, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because it depends on what state you go to, whether your whether your state has a state run scholarship. Mhm whether um you have inner inner out-of-state tuition yeah i feel like i feel like moving forward let's not making like blanket statements about things as far as like class goes because there's like class is no one like model for like one person you know what i mean like you can like you should hit and definitely talk about your privileges there mm-hmm. i privilege that i'm middle class i privilege that i went to college i privilege that i i lived in a state where um my university is paid for if i had a 3.0 in high school you know mm-hmm. but i feel like there is no one size fits all model mm-hmm. when talking about anything class gender blah 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 Corey, you see on my page like yes. <laughs> you know i'm i'm the one who's like calling out like you know i'm the person who's saying that you know using the label femme as a as a catch-all is very toxic and very right. bad and right. i can say that because i used to be a femme person i don't believe i don't like i'm the person who like will say just using blanket labels like makes everyone good or impermeable that's just not true Definitely. I think that Mm -hmm. also like femme has sort of like, at least in the time that like I've had femme in my vocabulary or like known about feminists has like morphed into this thing that like it from 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 my understanding that like it came specifically out of like queer community. Um, mm-hmm. Right, like queer. yeah, it's a lesbian thing. It's a lesbian, and, and like queer really came out of the lesbian community. Right. To mm-hmm. be honest, and then now it's morphed into like anybody can if they're feminine, they're femme. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's like a weird thing to like see now. And like I think that like language always morphs and stuff, but I also feel a certain level of like ownership or maybe some like scaredness about it like being lost sort of like um black lives matter sort of like uh all, all of these like mm-hmm. big hashtag terms uh um say her name like all these things they sort of get blown up and like all inclusive and then it loses its like it's it's um potency mm-hmm. you know what i mean 
Yeah. Because, yeah. like, Black Lives Matter is an institution now. Like, it's not just the statement. Right. Oh, yeah. White people can say Black Lives Matter, then they suddenly have money in their bank account. You know what I mean? Right. That's, that's <laughs> vile. You know? It's like, people can, like, be femme and still abuse the fuck out of people. Right. I'm always talking about that because that happened to me. My abuser was somebody who took on the label femme mm. um, when we were both femmes, and then they, like, weaponized that against me and got me pushed out of the Atlanta scene. Just like they're weaponizing the, the term trans now. Like, they're also a he, him, and also identify as trans now. Hmm. So I'm just like, people will bounce, people, anyone will abuse anything and bounce from identity to identity just to, like, make a coin or just to, like, not get, just to dodge accountability. Definitely. And I mean, like, I I go on OkCupid on occasion, you know, just to browse. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, like... No, I, I get, was just on there before I got on <laughs> And I get so many, like, hits from, like, queer men, queer people who, like, put on, like, queer cis men on those sites who, like, come at me, like, because for me, like, queer is, like, um, is bigger than, like, who you fuck, personally, you know? Like, queer is, like, it's this, like, it's... I don't know. It's something more for me. It's a philosophy. It's a way that I move. It's a way that I'm seen. Um, and like, there's it's like the energy. Yeah. And like, they come at me with some like cis het energy <laughs> and like say like cis het ass things to me. Mm. And I'm like, okay. Yes. Only like, a stupid, only a stupid white bitch will get upset. That saying this. <laughs> and like that makes, because me... there's always some stupid white bitch doing this. <laughs> that makes me like hella uncomfortable. And I'm like confused by it. And I'm like, okay like you saying all these things but like or like you're labeling yourself all these things but like do you do you move like that in the world or do you do you care about that and maybe it's me as like a person who's like really into history a person who's like really into theory a person that's i don't know maybe it's just me as Corey, but like I like breathe those things and those things are like why I am ostracized those things are why like I can't I can't go back home those things those are things that put me out on the street those are things that like have me doing sex work at times those are you know like so yeah like co-opting language to sort of get queer pussy makes me feel weird <laughs> like, mm. you know <laughs> yeah I definitely feel a lot what you're saying. Um, transitioning definitely helped me sift through the bullshit of that fuckery because you know I when before I transitioned, I used to attract a lot of like you know men who were like straight in their ways but would call themselves queer. Mm-hmm. Um, until I started transitioning and then they started seeing my body masculinizing before like their eyes and mine. And, um, yeah, that's usually when the fuckery would show. Like, suddenly, like, I was dating a guy when I first started testosterone, and then suddenly he stopped wanting to have sex with me. Because one time I was talking about, like, my junk growing, and he was, he was like, uh, and then, like, you know, 
he like got really violent and distant and basically silent in our relationship. And I basically had to beg him to talk to me. And when he like talked to me, he was like, oh, I'm breaking up with you. And then I just dragged him and I was like, you're a, you're a fucking idiot. And you're just like straight. And he was like, he was just like, yes. And I was like, yes. Oh, you are. Wow. But, but then I made, but then I made him pay me $500 because oh, I'm good. not going to, because I'm not going to walk away from a situation where I'm being emotionally drained as a black transgender person, especially during the most important time in my life when I'm mm. starting hormones. Mm. and walk away with nothing yeah. that was just not gonna happen especially if i'm dating a white man Ooh. that's not gonna happen <laughs> fuck yeah oh my god can we talk about dating white people real quick because like i've had a long uh history of like, like almost exclusively whites. dating white people until uh like two years ago mm. uh, mostly because like I do you do you mind if i ask do you have a black friend group um so growing up i didn't um I like mm. was in a white suburb uh for off and on throughout my life. Um I've never stayed in like the like in black community for long enough to like develop like strong relationships. Did you have access to the internet? Did you seek out black people as hard as you could have? I don't think so. No. Like and I didn't like see my like from like a little little age like i did not understand what the difference was between me and like my white counterparts like i did not see i don't know that i saw myself also my mom like very much like tried to assimilate me like i she True. um had me have a relaxer until i was 17 years old um i wasn't allowed to leave True. the house i wasn't allowed she took the internet away from me multiple times and she mm-hmm. would track what i would do on the internet my mom did the same thing and so i uh, like yeah same so like accessing community was like impossible terrifying to impossible <laughs> most of the time uh. um true and so like when yeah. but then i like went to a women's college and like, <laughs> and things happened and I, oh you went to the women you went to the women's college spiral let's talk about the spiral mm. of the women's colleges <laughs> and because i didn't go to women's college but the only man i ever dated um the only man i was ever long-term partners with did go to a women's college wow what they let him in yeah. he was trans yeah Oh. oh, and they love trans men at women's colleges. It was so messy. It, mm. And they hate trans women. They hate trans. Uh, it's yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like I saw it. Um, it's a whole thing. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. And then I was like, and then I like went through like a time where like I was almost exclusively sleeping with white people. And there was um, the only black girlfriend i had had up until that point um was really violent towards me and like Mm. didn't want to be out Mm. and was like trying to suppress my queerness as well as hers and Mm. all the toxic things that exist within like um cishet black culture she was like trying to put on me and so yeah yeah so that ended very poorly and i decided well the best way to counter that was all by almost well i didn't i this wasn't a conscious thing this was definitely a subconscious thing but the way to counter that was by exclusively dating white people <laughs> almost mm-hmm. um you know and like that was hella toxic um, but <laughs> you could talk oh, about yeah your experience <laughs> with dating white people um yeah, my first few boyfriends were white. 
Um, I had a crush on an Indian man my first year of college, but he ended up um, trigger warning sexually sexual assault, ended up raping me. Oh God! Um, so that just kind of like kind of put the kibosh on being with like any men of color. It's really fucked up. And to this day, I still kind of deconstruct why I don't really like date black men mm. or really, never really dated a black man. I dated a black man a couple years ago. But it was only for a few months, Ugh, but I kind of um, get it though. But it was never anything too deep. But I've been with like men of color, and like I said, like me- like other like non-black men of color have been violent towards me as well. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, my third year of college, um, yeah, going to my fourth, I met this. Um, I was doing organizing, and I met this um, white trans man, and he was like femme. So, you know, I was like, oh, he's different. You know, it was the whole like, oh, if he's femme, he's yeah. different. But, you know, <laughs> he had his own problems with, like, you know, addiction and mental illness. And, you know, it was just me being his, like, black femme partner, having to, like, basically be a caretaker. Mm-hmm. Just very painful. I've rehashed this story, like, a billion and a half times in my life over the past, like, seven years since I dated him. And, like, since then, I haven't really dated anyone long-term. I'm always screaming about, like, you know, wanting a partner really badly. But it's mm-hmm. also, like, I, I can't ever be someone's, like, caretaker again like that. Yeah. And that's just made it really hard to, for me to date in general. Is like, having to, having to become, like, the caretaker to a white person. And, you know, every time, like, I feel like I'm about to relive something like that with a black partner, I get really scared. And then, like, shit ends up dissolving really badly anyway. So it's like, you know, dating a white guy really did fuck up my perception of how I'm valued within my relationships and like, you know, being the caretaker, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't really see dating white people as like a conscious or political act. It just kind of happens at this point. Uh Mm -hmm. Um, There there was like this time, I feel like years ago, it was like this really conty time on the internet where it was always like, you know, which black person can hate white people the most. But I'm like, some of y'all aren't working, some of y'all are deconstructing your own anti-blackness, but y'all are like, fuck white people, and I fucking hate that shit. Mm. Like, some of y'all will be like, fuck white people, but you haven't worked on your colorism. Mm. Some of y'all will be like, fuck white people, but you haven't worked on your misogynoir. Some of y'all will be like, fuck white people, but you haven't worked on your um, transphobia. Some of y'all will be like, fuck white people, but you haven't worked on your ableism, this and that. You know what I mean? Like, you can use, like, fuck white people as, like, a deflection, but at the end of the day, you still have to come back to your community and still answer to your black community. And at the end of the day, you need to, like, prove whether you're doing right by your own community or not. It has nothing to do with whether you're fucking a white person. Because there's a lot of people who, who have white babes who are doing right by their community. Right. And there's a lot of black people who are with other black people who are doing wrong by their community. Mm, that's true. Definitely. Hi, it's Clover. I'm doing tarot readings and have been for the past five years of my life, and now I'm offering them to you all. I specialize in love readings, but also love doing career readings and questions like, what's blocking me from this thing I want and what should I do about it? For every $10 I make from any HITK listeners, I'll donate $1 to this podcast by default. But if you want me to send that dollar to a protest bail fund, there's also that option or any sort of like sex worker specific establishment. So it is up to you. So my rates are $10 per question for a written response, $20 for a 10 minute video, 30 for 20 minutes, 40 for 30, 60 for 40, and 100 for an hour. DM me on Instagram at little underscore four leaf and the four is an actual numeral, not letters. Thank you and I love you. 
I want to talk a little bit about music and how I love I love when you do a music post it like it brings me such joy because like I'm I've been a dancer for like all my life and I just love like moving to like good music and you bring the hits (laughs) when did (laughs) when did you like start like talking about music in this way or thinking about music in the way that you think about music now or like engaging with it on this level i i didn't really have friends growing up so i spent just a lot of time like in my room just talking to myself Mm -hmm. and like just going on like the computer like on youtube like looking at like videos of like who's the early people i used to listen to like michael jackson janet jackson sade who i'm wearing like her shirt right now um queen um led zeppelin pink floyd um, I was really into like a lot of, like 70s rock, just 70s music in general really helped me. And 80s wave music, like, you know, Wham, Culture Club, Eurythmics, um, Pointer Sisters. Mm. I was really into the Pointer Sisters, yes. Chaka Khan. <laughs> like, like, um, Zap Band, Gap Band, all those like weird bands, like <laughs> 80s music, like all that stuff. Like, that stuff has definitely been, like, a grounding point for me. Because, like I said, I didn't have friends growing up. I only really had music. Mm. And that's kind of, like, the thing that kept me sane. And then when I got older, like, in my teens, I got really into, like, um, my later teens, I got really into, like, house music. Mm. Like, Crystal Waters. Somebody did, like, a really good curation of, like, early house and black techno yes, today. Yes, I just saw that post. That I shared. That was really good. So yeah, good. that was really good. Yeah, and I listened to, like, all those bands like that were on that post and i like talked about like the song like follow me by like ali us i don't know if you ever like go to new york and like penn station but i hear that song playing in penn station a lot (laughs) um like if you're ever like just in new york like in brooklyn like you can like and you're just like quiet you'll suddenly like hear house music (laughs) i know um Uh, yeah youtube was definitely like a big youtube was definitely like a big safe space for me uh spotify became like something really big i collect records i have like the really ample like music collection my music taste is really like in there out there it's really weird i made some john mouse meme that a lot of people liked i made some meme it was like when 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 it's like the race war and you have to kill john mouse (laughs) who made the song cop killer (laughs) and then he says and then he says cop killer let's go kill some cops tonight so i decided to kill some cops instead (laughs) you know just like weird running imaginary things in my head that i just type out yeah you know because i don't think that there's anything wrong with having an active imagination or anything like that often people get you know coined as crazy and i often don't think there's anything wrong being crazy either as long as you like are aware of that right. and you don't use it to like do harm onto people right you know what i mean yeah i feel mm-hmm. like there's nothing wrong with like pulling from your imagination or pulling from like some weird imaginary world in your head that's keeping you grounded and keeping you like from not dying because like we're all living under like this terrible white supremacist patriarchy if i want to pretend i'm john mouse in my head let me do that right if i want to pretend i'm janet jackson in my head let me do that you know, if I want to pretend I'm Kanye West in my head, let me do that. You know, <laughs> like, and it's like, you know, people are so quick to chop off Kanye West's head, but there's like, you know, 10, there's like 50, 11 there's, terrible white men behind right. him. And I felt that sort of, sorry, to sort of like segue, but like, I felt that sort of way about, no, yeah. um, um, Bill Cosby too. And like, fuck Bill Cosby, but also like, what about um, Elvis? Yeah, <laughs> like, for fucking real. Fuck Elvis. For like, fucking real. You know what I mean? Real. Like, like. 
like okay I feel it's hard like- to make a comparison with bill cosby because like i don't i can't really make a fair comparison with bill cosby as yeah. far as like the everyday dad if mr rogers ever came out as being right. a rapist then we'd have a fair comparison mm, and right. then we could have real actual comparative talks around that mm. But, you know, the only thing we could do is, like, Harvey Weinstein, Bill Cosby, Bill, but they're, they're just both like, powerful I feel like men. they're not investigating but they, but they in the don't same hit the, way. But they don't... Like, I just don't feel like oh, they're yeah. investigating they the white the, men, they... you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. They're not hitting... It definitely doesn't hit the nerve in the same way. I know those two are both going to, like, die in prison. Right. And, like, I mean, but it does but does that heal the victims, though? Does that right. undo rape? We have to remember that no matter what justice is, it never undoes the horrible traumatic thing that happened. Right. Exactly. And like, you know, I, I would love to call out the man that raped me my first year of college. He's a doctor. Mm. And, you know, it's like, but, like, can we picket his, like, wherever he works? Like, I don't think we're going to shut down a whole, like, New York hospital or whatever. Mm. Like, for, for, for my sake, you know, that's not how things work. Um, do I feel like they go, like, twice as ham on um, white, on white, um, no, on black men as they do white men? Yes. But when we talk about sexual assault, assault that's when it gets really hard mm-hmm. because all the niggas is trash right. all the niggas is trash if you try to rape people mm-hmm. y'all hear me on this podcast if you try to rape people you are trash yeah oh. like and that goes back to the whole like you're doing great and i love how we just did a whole wrap around wow. yeah. <laughs> i love when that happens yes like like at the end of the day it's like i do have to say i'm like nigga you're doing great you are trash because you tried to rape someone and actually i can't even say that because like when people say sexual assault i need to know what it, yeah, if we're actually talking about so like too. did you did you rub my back weirdly or did you pin me down yeah. because those are two different things and even though like they're all under the umbrella like in order for us to hold space for survivors we really do need to talk about what what there what is what talk about degrees. like which is which and yes and like I feel bad for people having to rehash their trauma, Mm -hmm. but I also need to know why I'm throwing somebody away. Yeah. I kind of feel that way. Like, you know, it's, it's so hard. It's like, I don't want to, yeah, because I can't, I can't be like with this. Yeah. Cause, and I just like the weight of like coming out is like immense. Yeah. Like to be scrutinized in that public platform. Like, especially if you're a nobody and you're like coming for this person with this clout and like this following and these people who like will attack you. And will question your validity. You know, it's like they have like a yeah. whole fleet of people coming for you, and then you're just like this person who's just out there. You know, like yeah. that's m- massively powerful yeah. to do that. I think. Yeah. Let's. Um, I'll use. Um, I'll use myself as an example. Um, I dated somebody and we broke up. This happened here in Philly. They started spreading a rumor that I I beat them like physically. Mm-hmm. Um, but they but because the word assault gets used, it started get it started spreading a rumor and people like started inferring that as rape. Mm-hmm. You know, like the story was twist. First of all, the story was twisted and then it got twisted one way and then it suddenly got twisted in another. Yeah, that's fucked. Yeah, definitely. that's really fucked up. It was like, A, I didn't even put my hands on this person. B, there's a rumor that um, I put my hands on this person. B, people are taking the rumor that I put my hands on this person. And now they're saying that I raped this person. Mm. And, you know, that's why we always need, like, when y'all use these umbrella terms, please mm. be explicit about what you're talking yes. about. Right. I, I because I don't want to be like, I don't, I, I don't want to be like, you're doing great as a rapist if they didn't actually rape anyone. Yeah. Right. If they're bad at consent, we need to have a conversation about consent and they need to be held accountable. And let's definitely have public conversations around consent. And, you know, I have to be like consent, people should be made an example of. But yeah, I think cons- with consent, 
some people should they should be made an example of because some of us aren't really good with consents i guess people aren't really good with consents and um we need to have more open conversations about what consent actually looks like and what freezing up during sex looks like. Like I said, Mm -hmm. I wasn't there. I don't even know explicitly what this person, the assault, what assault means in this case. And this is just me making a billion different hypotheticals as we do as, as, as survivors, Mm -hmm. as spectators. Cause let's Mm -hmm. keep it real. We are spectating on this because these are these people, because like this person is now no longer, you and me this person is now this person with like you know clout power like this sort of like entity that we can't touch Mm -hmm. that somehow makes them like invincible and we stop seeing them as another person who hurts who bleeds who cries who may kill themselves over this you know and now they're this person with power and while they are hurting they fucked up too and i'm not excusing that Mm -hmm. they need to be held accountable they need to be held accountable. But it's like this thing where there's so many disconnects of power happening that we can't even get to stage one. Like, yeah. like it's really hard. Like, this whole, like, I still don't even, like, I'm still just, like, I really need to, like, go back and, like, watch all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, that happened with you're doing great so I can actually know what's going on. Yeah. Because, like, like I said, I just talked about 50 different hypotheticals and yeah. I don't even know this person. Yeah. I don't even know what their real name is. Yeah. Oh, wait, their name is also Jam, it's right? Jam. Yeah. So, Jewel, so I would highly recommend people who are listening to the podcast um, and, yeah, that uh, that you go to, well, let me look it up right now. Um, and so that we can get well didn't you did you say that you're doing great you are do it's like you like the letter r the letter doing great yeah um, so it, you can go on jewel j-e-w-e-l underscore the gem g-e-m um and go to uh their page uh it's a post on their page where they're having a conversation with gem um and wait so jewel the gem is holding gem accountable yes did uh but is jewel the gem their victim so jewel the gem is in contact with the victim okay jewel the gem is the mediator yeah gotcha Mm -hmm. yeah Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. See, yeah, there's a billion different steps. Like, yeah. I need the whole backstory. Yeah. <laughs> and it's always, like, people, like, want to want to tell, like, the juicy details, but there's also, like, 50 boring details that need to be said. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. It truly is, like, this, the court of social media right now, you know? Like, we're, <laughs> Exactly. We're and that's all, why like, I'm always, like, box. filling the gaps. Yes. And just like court, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of, like, briefs, that, boring shit that, and backstory that you have to yeah. learn. And so like, if also, you are going to join the court, you have to know all the boring shit, too. Right. And everybody, like, has their different agenda in presenting the facts you know like not to put it on any of the victims that but it's like you know with everybody has their case that they're making in this situation so it's like you know we're we're all we we decide you know where we decide to i don't know what judgment we make in the end about this oh yeah definitely and it's like one of these things where well, what were you gonna me. say Corey? Oh, I was just saying, I was just going to say that, like, if, if you want, like, the full, all that information, you can go to jewel underscore the gem, um, and it's on, Instagram. A, on Instagram, it's a post that they made, um, it's a conversation that they had, um, and the community obviously engaged with because it was alive originally, and it's something that, um, Gem is accepting responsibility for and uh, and is going to, as far as I know, deplatform themselves. I don't know what that looks like yet, mm-hmm. um, but that is one of the demands of the victim. So what is the, what do you know about what happened? 
What kind of sexual assault was it? So it was rape as far as I'm concerned. Um, that's an important, that's an important, but the way that, but because of the way that Jem framed it, it didn't sound like rape. Oh, exactly. Like, Mm -hmm. because people will frame things in different ways. It's so hard because like, for all I know, it could be like, they just touched somebody's back and made them feel weird. Yeah. But rather than like what probably happened was like, it was an intimate moment and they were, and somebody was saying no and they kept going. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. So, so it was an intimate. Okay. That's what happened. Okay. See, that is rape. Yeah. So yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And what, and like the issue was, is that the way that, um, like one of the issues was that the way that Jem had framed Jem, uh, you're doing great had framed it, um, was that, uh, like there was a consent violation or there was a, like use all the other language aside from it. Like I raped somebody or even I sexually assaulted somebody used every other sort of like term you could use around that to explain what happened. I hate that shit. And so like, that was like, that's like why especially like, I think like people were like, well, say it with your chest then. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like exactly, because they say a lot of other shit with their chest. Right. But also, I'm not gonna go ham on this person, but I'm going ham because it's like you know, it's one of those like we trusted you sort of situations. Yeah, no, like, you, you, like, like you know, a lot of like you're a reflection to a lot of people. I follow you because you're also. I mean, I follow you because you're black and queer, but also you're also like a Nigerian person. I literally see my features and my face in you, mm-hmm. and it, it makes me sick. It makes me feel. I shouldn't say it makes me feel like I sold to someone, but it makes you feel like it's my fault you know what i mean because we're part of the same like you know ethnic group Mm. it sucks and like that shit makes me really sad and disgusted Mm. yeah um well on that note (laughs) oh no no let's not leave it i don't want to leave it out wait 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 wait. so something i've been asking every single guest that i've invited on here is like who's a person (laughs) that inspires you after this whole conversation but who are people persons like things that you know nouns <laughs> that inspire you um uh you know well i mean i guess since we're doing pride month i guess i'm gonna just like talk about like a whole like glob of people who i really look to for like gender and just like emotional and just like strength um i'm probably just gonna start listing a bunch of people who i think are really great um um, I really like, of course, Sylvia Rivera, like the mother mm. of the trans movement yeah. and the mother of the LGBT, like the gay power movement. Cause let's not talk about the LGBT movement. Let's talk about the gay power that she was talking about when she got pushed off stage during the first pride festival. Oh, Everyone's always like yeah. the first pride was a riot. No Stonewall was a riot. That right. wasn't a party. That wasn't a partying. That was them getting pulled out by the police. Right. The first organized pride was her getting pulled off stage by a bunch of white cis lesbian and gay people because she was talking about being a sex worker because mm. she was talking about being homeless because she was talking about how these white people did do shit for her mm-hmm. like let's please like i literally made a post about this like let's please fill in the gaps in history and let's like not make these like everyone always likes to make like you know these like catchphrases just to like you know over lost history like this year's catchphrases like you know trans women started pride it's like no that's actually not what happened like that's not what happened it's like trans sex workers Mm. got their asses beat in the streets right and sent to jail and raped like that's what she's literally she was literally screaming about that 
like and like but then a bunch of like white people like threw a bunch of glitter over it and said let's make some banners and then she yeah. said no fuck that Mm-hmm. Like and invited the cops. like that's not cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then yeah, no, literally, and then they invited the cops too, and invited that's what and that's and actually what happened. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened on the first Pride. And so, what's actually like filling the gaps in history when we talk about that? Who else? Uh, Freddie Mercury. Like I draw a lot of strength from Freddie Mercury from Queen. Um, he died. He died during the AIDS epidemic, unfortunately. But he was like really strong, powerful brown man. Um, in hindsight, I studied photography. They did a lot of like whitewashing, like a lot of like flash, a lot of the use of the flash to make him look white. And that now looking back, I'm like, wait, did he whitewash himself, or are people using flashes to make him look less brown? Mm. So like, I also I study a bunch of different things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, who else can I, I talk about? Like, um, who do I like now? Like, Indian Moore is really great to follow. Yes. Follow Indian Moore, Aaron Phillip. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Who else? Um, damn, I'm like suddenly like drawing all these blanks. <laughs> it's um, so hard. Follow, follow cyborg memoirs. They're um, they're a white Latinx um, science fiction writer out of Philadelphia. They're from they're originally from Philadelphia too. Like they're um, a really powerful voice in the Philadelphia like science fiction scene and like Metro Polarity, which is like this um, mainly black science fiction collective, but they take on like works of like queer and trans people, like, you know, the allies and stuff as well. Like follow their stuff. Um, Metro Polarity, they're really good. Um, Kanye West, MC Ride from Death Grips. Mm-hmm. Um I, I used to not really be into Beyonce until like pretty recently, um, because like I never I never felt like my femhood could align with hers because I wasn't high maintenance, mm-hmm. and we never have a conversation Ooh. around. That's the whole other episode in itself around like people are so quick to be like you should follow Beyonce, but who's taking care of my femhood? Mm-hmm. Who's helping me keep up with my feminist so I can feel validated with that image? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And that's a whole other thing. But, you know, I like a lot of, like, Beyonce's contemporary work and a lot of her, like, live stuff. Yeah. Um, James Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? Cheryl Dunier, who did Watermelon Woman. I hope today's the last day of Pride Month. I hope you all watch Watermelon Woman before they take it off of Criterion tonight. They're taking it off? <laughs> yeah. Apparently for, like, Pride Month. Um, there's the, also, like... That's what they do. That's it's what, what they, they do. do. <laughs> There's also this um, lesbian BDSM documentary called Blood Sisters on Vimeo. I made a post about it a long time ago. Um, damn, I made a post about it like in late May, and the uh, and the person said that um, that is on Vimeo until the end of the month. Damn, today's the end of the month. <laughs> yeah, shoot, and we're gonna but be airing a, this episode good... in a week from now. So just for oh, clarity. okay, yeah. But you can oh, yeah. probably but try but and still find search it. it. Yeah, try, yeah, so this... try Crunchyroll, try Daily yeah, Motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and out there. Maybe, oh yeah, definitely. And maybe I can even just talk to the author and be like, you should keep this online for everyone, mm-hmm. like because it's a white person so i can maybe talk them into doing it because now like now white people are too scared of getting called out let's keep it real but that's a whole other conversation in and of itself but but that documentary blood sisters has uh, pat califia who um he's one of the godfathers of like lesbian and dyke bdsm he's a white guy like disclaimer but he does amazing work because he's the one who wrote he wrote doing it for daddy and macho sluts i don't know if you Mm -hmm. know any of these Mm -hmm. books no i think i know doing but like that's like good that's like good like bdsm 
of you for doing it for day. That's like good like lesbian like dyke nineties BDSM erotica. And um, I guess this is like a good note we can leave off with. Um, at, in like during the documentary of Blood Sisters, he's like, um, we have to like not take ourselves so seriously because at the end of the day, it's just a bunch of people getting dressed up in funny outfits, lugging 70 pounds of equipment around just to get an orgasm. Like, there's something inherently <laughs> silly about all of it. Damn. Yes. And that could be perfect. anything. There's something inherently silly about clout, Instagram, yeah, all this shit. It's a it mess. Is. It's a joke. It like, is. it's only as serious as you take it as. Like, and let's all take ourselves a little bit less serious. Yeah. That's really all I got. Are these the last days of your life? Can you definitively say no? It's hard to know what these days, what's what these days. Who can even know what I'll say next? My name is Regina Leonardson, author of Are These Days Your Last Days? The Trilogy. My book delineates exactly how to tell whether or not these are your last days, as well as steps to take to ensure that you can tell anyone when it is their last days. Face it, none of us like surprises that involve death. Many of us might like the courtesy of knowledge in introducing the Grim Reaper method. Without a doubt in my mind, by reading my trilogy, you can act as Grim Reaper in your village and gain the respect of everyone around you as you predict their deaths. Get Book 1. Are these your last days or your first days? Book 2. Are these your last days or your last seconds? And Book 3. Oops, it's my last day. On sale for 5% off with the discount code Judgment Day on my website, lastdaysever.grimreaper. Thanks. Well, speaking of not taking clout seriously, can we plug your clout for you? Yeah, what do you... Can we plug your places? <laughs> yes. Um, if you want to find me, you can find me on Instagram mainly at blamelessqueericon. That's blamelessqueericon. And if you want to find me, on twitter i'm sometimes i just go on twitter to rant you can find me at spiral negro 69 that is spiral negro 69 Mm -hmm. on um or transsexual dennis rodman Ah! that's me on twitter i'm i'm transsexual dennis rodman (laughs) you're just like i'm a mess (laughs) dennis rodman for whatever he is his fashion is all has been on point Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but um yeah, thank you so much for oh, coming wait, on. Corey, you gotta oh. plug your stuff. Oh plug my we're stuff. All, we're all plugging. I, oh my yeah. gosh. Okay. Plug um you, you can follow me at the goddess Corey on Instagram and on Twitter. Um uh my pay links are there. Pay me for my labor always. Yeah, Venmo um, at H Yeah, I was gonna say plug the cash and Cash App, the cash tag SP C-O-R-I. Um, you can buy my porn. Um, you buy it directly from me. Send me an email. I'll send it to you. Yes. Um, but also, yes. So but I also, bought from, I bought from the yes. goddess Corey. Amazing. Yes. I really, it was, can I talk about that? It's just, I know yeah, we're yeah, over, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but, like, good, it's fine. but like, I yeah. was so excited, like being able to like make custom. I love making custom content for queer people, mm. um, for black people specifically. It's yeah. like some of my favorite content because like y'all aren't weird about it like, <laughs> like, like you're like this is what i want or yeah. like you're like do whatever you want and i actually mean that and then i do it and you're like wow thank you it's like okay cool that was a good exchange it's like yeah. nice and validating yeah 
Oh my god, I would love to shoot your photos sometime. What part of California are you in, dear? Southern California. Los LA. Angeles. Uh oh, okay, that's cool. Um <laughs> my sister lives in LA. I was just I just went oh because like, oh yeah, I can't travel anywhere because of corona. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because I yeah, because I just got like some white people to buy me a bunch of film and I have like an I have a um an instant camera, like a Polaroid. Well we could do and a- I shot a bunch of ca- we could do an online. Uh, I've seen people do like these, like Zoom photo sessions. Yeah, I've I seen think. that too. Oh that's yeah, but that's with, but that's with like, um, isn't that with their like webcam though? We could get creative. I'm just saying. Yeah, there's always creativity. True. So yeah, um, the only thing is like the flash. I wouldn't want it to like. Yeah, it will just flash at you. So I'm gonna plug. Yeah, myself. it'll just be like one giant flash. Go for yes, it. Please. Okay, I am Selena the stripper. You can follow me on Instagram at Pretty Boy Girl. You can um, follow this project. Oh on my god! Yes, I follow you and I follow your shit. Okay. It's like I feel like. <laughs> It's all good. Um, so you can follow this uh, podcast at Ho in the Know on Instagram, and then if you want to support me on Patreon, uh, my Patreon is at the Real Pretty Boy Girl, and I post all of my really candid stories of sex work that includes stripping and escorting, sugaring, and now my massage stuff. Uh, getting into tantric healing. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm like I'm about to do oh, my wow. story about that. So. Um, that's yeah, that's coming up the bike. Uh, I have to follow you because that sounds interesting. I, I really want to hear about the tantric healing stuff. Yes, um, I'm excited to write about it. It's been a journey, and then I have like my last, like my wrap up session on Thursday. So that'll be we're gonna do some pelvic work, as we call it, because we talk around these things whenever yes. it comes to people with vaginas buying sex work (laughs) anyway so this has been an episode of ho in the know thank you guys so much for tuning for tuning in i don't know why i said guys people friends comrades homies homies (laughs) thank you homies (laughs) thank you my homies for tuning in thank you so much selena thank you so much Corey, for having me on i really thank you so much for being on i just feel sometimes i just blah 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 like a stream of consciousness you're good i sound annoying yeah. Okay, well, okay. have a great one and um, bye. More money, I want your money, I want more money. 